0: Well, anybody excited about today? Someone was asking me, Pastor Jared, on Super Bowl Sunday, why are you wearing a Detroit Lions jersey? Why are you not wearing a Patriots or a Seahawks? Because I'm being prophetic. That's what I'm being right now. I am being prophetic for next Super Bowl. You know... um, I decided before we kind of get going into this that I'd tell a Super Bowl joke. Uh, So here we go. Um, Be kind. I think all the women will struggle with this a little more than the men. Um, So there was a guy, and he, he literally, his whole life, his dream was to go and see a Super Bowl live. So one year, he decided he was going to do it, and he saved up a bunch of money, and he bought a ticket. And when he got to the Super Bowl, he went to his seat, and he was all bummed because he realized he was in the nosebleed section. So he thought to himself, he said, you know, there's got to be an empty seat down there close to the field. Somebody didn't show up. I know. So I'm going to go and see if I can find that seat. So he went down, and he found a seat right on the 50-yard line. About three rows up, the best seats in the house. And as he walks over and he looks, the seat's empty, but there's a guy next to him. He says, "Uh, excuse me, sir, but is this seat empty? And the man looked up and said, yes, um, actually, it was for my wife, but she passed away. He looked at him and he said, oh, I'm so sorry. He goes, well, I have a question. Why didn't you bring one of your family members, one of your friends with you to the game? He said, oh, because they're at the funeral. come on, football's important, right? Just, uh, <laughs> I have women all across the room going Looking at me like that. <laughs> oh, somebody die diehard fans, literally. Um, all right. You know, what we're going to do today is for fun is we've got a few little tiny footballs we want to give away. Come on, ushers. If you like football, come on, ushers, hurry on up. We're going to throw a few footballs out right now. Um, I've got little ones, so don't be afraid. Uh, so on the count of three, if you want a football, raise your hand. You ready, ushers? One, two, three. Go, throw it, throw it. You're like, that's not a football. That's a keychain. But I brought some real footballs. Now wait, wait, put your hands down, put your hands down. On my way down the hill from where I live, I was driving to church and my wife calls me because I come early. She calls me, she says, Jared, I had to call you before you got to church to remind you of something. I'm like, what's that? She goes, I'm one of those people that when people throw things, I'm afraid I'm gonna hit, get hit in the face. In fact, in our pre-production meeting, someone said, be careful of the Brady, uh, or um, what was her name? Marsha Brady moment with the football. So... We are gonna give away and it says HV and then they ask me to sign it. Now I have no idea why you would want my signature but on Super Bowl Sunday, here's football number one. So who wants a football, anybody? All right. So I see a bunch of youth over there. All right, let's hear it. Look at that. Come on, give her a hand. All right, I got one more right here. Anybody want a football? Are we gonna go deep, way back there? All right, all right. Look at that. I got, I got one more here, but wait a minute. Hold on. It looks like the Patriots got a hold of my football before. Are you a Patriots? Come up here and get the football. That, that way, every game, you can have this on the TV and remind yourself of why they win a lot. Okay. All right. Um. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is way too much fun. Wait a minute. Hold on. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online, and you think church is supposed to be boring. Well, you came to the wrong church because... We believe the words of Jesus, and Jesus says this, I came to give you life and life abundantly. And so church should be fun, living for Christ should be fun. And today we're just taking the weekend, and maybe it's a little bit of a struggle for you to think, well, gosh, why are you fo- highlighting football? Well, you know what? Church needs to be relevant to the culture. And Right now, the, the, there's going to be billions of people celebrating football. And you know what? Today, we're not celebrating football. We're celebrating Jesus. And... Um, Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time, and I just want to welcome you today. I'm so glad you've come, and we're going to have a little fun today. We're also going to hear from the greatest coach of all, the one that has influenced more people to live out their dreams, to accomplish great things. It's not Bear Bryant. It's not Bill Belichick. It's the greatest coach of all, and he only had three years to coach. That was it, and the world has been changed ever since, and his name is Jesus. Today, amen. Maybe you're a Patriots fan, and I feel bad for you if you are. Um, Maybe you're a Seahawks fan. Maybe you could care less. You're just in for the chips and salsa. Well, let me tell you something. In order to win, you need leadership. In order to accomplish a goal, you need leadership. And so we're starting a series this weekend, and if you're a guest, I want to invite you back next weekend because we're starting a series called I Lead. God's been speaking to our church as we've been in a time of fasting and prayer that that He wants us to stand up and lead. And so over the next several weeks, I want to talk about leadership, how to lead in your life, how to lead in your family. And... We're going to go through a book of the Bible, the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a beautiful case study of leadership. And so we're going to take Nehemiah's lead. We're going to learn what leadership is. And so this week we're going to draw some principles from Nehemiah chapter 1. If you have a Bible or you're getting your, your, you know, scripture from your phone, those of you joining us online, go to to Nehemiah chapter 1. And in a moment we're going to read some passages from Nehemiah and we're going to learn some principles. You may not know this, but the Bible is... Filled with life principles, practical things that we can live out. Because here's the thing, God didn't send his son Jesus just to win the game and defeat Satan and sin so that one day you could go to heaven. That's important. We want to spend eternity with God forever. But he also sent his son so that you and I could live the best life in this world, that we could influence others, that we could live up to our potential in this world. So we need Jesus, and we need his word to help us become the leader. Anybody want to be the leader God's called you to be? All right. Now, before I dive into this passage, I want to pray, and I see Stephanie's here. Do you have the team here, or is it next service? They're here. We have a team that, you know, we are connected to Zoe, which is a missions organization, and they're heading off to, is it Thailand? And so I just want you to stand where you are. The team that's heading off they're getting ready to leave they're kind of all over okay they're getting ready to head to thailand for a missions trip what what you see right here are leaders right so stretch your hands this way father in jesus name i pray that your hand of grace and favor would be on this team as they go i pray that your anointing would be there i pray that your grace would be there I pray that you'd go before them and open doors, let God moments take place, God encounters take place. We pray for transformation in that nation, transformation, Lord, in all the things they're doing. Lord, give them strength, protection from sickness or harm, and Lord, use them as leaders as they head to, the, to another country to share the love of Christ. Bless them. And Lord, we also pray that your anointing would be on this service and on this message, and that you'd speak mightily today in Jesus' name. Can everybody shout amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Now stay for just a couple minutes longer, David. Here's what's really cool about the book of Nehemiah. Grab your your notes, pull them out of your programs. I'm going to give you some points today as we talk about Eileen. But here's what's cool. As you read through the book of Nehemiah, every time you see the name Nehemiah, you need to understand something. Here's what Nehemiah means in the Hebrew. Nehemiah means Yahweh comforts. So as we read through this book and we learn about leadership, here's what we know is that God wants to comfort. There's a scripture in in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, in verse 16, and here's what it says. It says, what... um, What sorry for the land ruled, is that right? That seems wrong grammatically. What sorrow, that's what it is. If you guys will make that correction between services. What sorrow for the land ruled by a servant. (laughs) I think that's wrong too. Those (laughs) whose leaders feast in the morning. Happy, everybody say happy. Happy is the land whose king is a noble leader and whose leaders feast at the proper time to gain strength for their work, not to get drunk. In other words, here's the point. When there's bad leadership, it's bad for the nation. It's bad for the city. It's bad for the football team. It's bad for the family. It's bad for the company. But when there's good leadership, it's like comfort. It's like putting on a warm blanket. Do you realize that God wants to bring comfort, leadership, good leadership? He wants to bring comfort to your family, to your company, to your classroom, to your PTA organization, to your HOA organization, to your city council. God wants to bring comfort to your life, and the way he's going to do it is through good leadership. So today, we're going to learn about how to be a leader. Everybody say it. I lead. I I chose this title intentionally because God's calling us, each one of us, to lead. Say it again. Say, I lead. lead. All right. You ready to dive in today? Somebody say amen. amen. Thank you, David. I'm going to give you three points. We're going to make them quick. And as we read through the first chapter of Nehemiah, and over the next several weeks, we're going to blaze through several other chapters, and we're going to learn some pretty cool, some pretty insightful, some pretty deep things. This week, it's a little bit more simple, it's a little more basic, and it's foundational. But as we read through chapter one, here's the first thing you're going to discover. If you and I are going to lead, if I'm going to lead, here's what I need to know. I lead because I see. You see, what's interesting is perspective. What you see influences how you lead. I want to read to you out of the scripture. If you have your Bibles, go there with me now. If you want to get it on your phone, you can go to your YouVersion app. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. It says this. It says, Hanani, one of my brothers... Now, this is Nehemiah's story being told. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me things are not going well. For those who return to the province of Judah, they are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. What's interesting is is you look into the Hebrew, um, there's a word there where it talks about that they're in trouble. And the word trouble there is a according to Strong's, is a Hebrew word which means exceedingly great adversity, affliction, or distress. In fact, the root word for that particular Hebrew word is, it's a word which means to spoil or to rot. So literally what happens is Nehemiah, as he finds out what's going on, and here's interesting, his brother shows up in the city, and He doesn't know. It's not like today where we have phones and we have news, 24-hour news cycles and all of that. They didn't know what was going on. What he did know was that God had already begun to move several years, I think it was 13 or 14 years earlier, right at the 70-year mark when God said that he would return his people from captivity. Many of you know that story? After 70 years of captivity, Cyrus, king of Persia, gave the Jews authority to return and rebuild the temple of Israel. Under the leadership of Ezra, these exiles returned to Jerusalem and rebuilt the temple. Nehemiah, he probably thought things were going great and the city was thriving. But now he hears that things aren't going good and what really is going on. Things looked good at first. But you see, when the people got back to Jerusalem and they began to rebuild the city or rebuild the temple they began to move away from God's laws and principles. They refused to follow God's principles and returned to the sin of their ancestors, the very sin that God had judged them for. The temple wasn't being maintained. Sacrifices had ceased. The Jews were continuing to compromise. By the time our story begins with Nehemiah, Jerusalem is spiritually and physically a mess. You see, it was through Nehemiah's searching out to find out how things were really going that he saw something, and here's what he saw. He saw that something God had planned, something good that God had set in motion, now was out of kilter and not living up to its potential, that Israel was falling apart, Jerusalem was broken down, and he realized he saw that they needed a leader. Let me ask you a question. How many have ever been in a car... And you kind of all realized you were going the wrong way. But nobody was really doing anything about it. Until somebody got on the phone and Googled the address so that you could get on course. It kind of reminds me, um, I had one of my children when they were you know, in school. And some of them have graduated from high school now. But one of my children when they were younger... Um, I remember they came home and they gave me their report card. And when I saw it, I got mad. Any parents said the same thing happened to you? Because the grades were not what they should be, right? I was mad. I was mad at them. And then after a little while, as I thought about it, instead of getting mad at them, I got mad at me. Because as I thought back over the last several months... When they got home and they were supposed to be doing work, you know, homework, they were playing video games. It might feel like you're in the same story. I mean, <laughs> the point I'm making is I wasn't really paying attention. And because I because I wasn't seeing what was really going on, the bad report card came. You know what's cool about football is every week on Sunday. Every team gets a report card because when they go on the field, you get to see what's really going on with that team. If they're prepared, if they're disciplined, if they know the plays, if they're following the playbook, if they're being coached well, every Sunday you get a report card. But can I stop and tell you that with family and with our own personal lives and the journeys we're on, sometimes our lives don't reflect football because we don't get a report card every week. And so, what happens is many times we go for months and months and months, and here's the problem we don't see what's going on, and if we don't see, we won't lead. And when we read the story of Nehemiah, here's what we discovered. Nehemiah decided to start paying attention. Nehemiah decided to say, if I'm gonna lead, then I need to see. And it was through the, the intentional decision to look under the covers. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you asked A question. When was the last time you paid attention to what was going on in your marriage? When was the last time you looked under the covers to see what was going on with your kids? When was the last time you really took a look at the books to see how things were going with your company? When was the last time you really dove in and looked at your classroom to see if everybody was getting the kind of grades they should be getting? You see, the bottom line is simply this. You can't solve what you can't see. That's a good quote. Let me say it again. You can't solve what you can't see. You see, in order for me to lead, if I lead, then I need to see. I'm going to tell on myself. Recently, um, we started 21 days of fasting and prayer. And so... I was talking to my youngest son, Hudson. It was the kitchen. It was in the morning before school. And so I said, son, you need to hurry and make your bed, and get ready and do all the stuff you do because we're going to, you know, you leave at a certain time, but I need you to be done five minutes early because you and I are going to have devotions. And then my son looked at me and he said something that made my jaw drop. He goes, now, let, let me just set the stage here. Not only am I a dad, I'm a pastor. You all with me? I'm a Christian. I looked at my son. I said, hey, you need to be ready and he, because we're going to have devotions. And he looks at me and he says, what's a devotion? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. It's like, go back to, the, playing, you know, to the, the practice field. I'm like, what? I'm like, son, you know what a devotion is. You know, it's when we spend time with God. He's like, oh, I didn't know that was a devotion. Now, in my defense, we've had devotions with Hudson before. But you see, it was through that kind of horrible situation that I realized I needed to lead. Don't wait until your spouse says, I want a divorce. Thank you, Terry, Marcus. Amen. God bless you. By the way, they're in our marriage ministry. And so... (laughs) That's awesome. Don't wait until the accountant says... You need to file for bankruptcy. (laughs) Don't wait until your child says, what's a devotion? The point I want to make is simply this is that many times we miss the opportunity for great things in our lives to win great games, to accomplish great things, to just see things be healthy and whole and complete like God designed them. And the reason why is because we're walking and our eyes are blinded. We don't see what's going on around us. I can be in the room watching football and my kids get mad at me because they talk to me and I don't even know what they're saying. The point I want to make is you and I, in order to lead, we've got to see. And I want to challenge you in this new year, as you stand up and lead, have the courage to ask the questions. Have the courage to look under the surface. Have the courage to lift the hood. Nehemiah, he was a man who was a leader, who changed his world. In 52 days, he changed his world. And the reason is, I lead because I see. Everybody say, I lead lead. because I see. You ready for point two? Say amen. Not only do I lead because I see, but write this down. I lead. And, you know, it's interesting, as we looked at the video just a moment ago, um, the bottom line is that Trent Dilfer said, you know, this is the big game. And when you're in the big game, it changes your perspective. And a lot of times, the problem is that we see in the rearview mirror? many I mean, looking backwards, you see a lot clearer sometimes. And he, he mentioned in that video we saw this, and that is that once you've been in the big game, it changes your perspective. And I just want to challenge you, don't wait until you're in the big game fighting for your marriage to be saved. Don't wait until you're in the big game struggling to figure out how you're going to pay your bills to have had a chance to take a look at what's really going on in your life. Because I'm going to tell you, as you can look ahead and you can plan ahead and you can ask God for wisdom, He will show you, He will guide you, He will give you what you need to stand up and lead through the challenges to win the game. Amen? Amen? So I lead because I see, and number two, I lead because I care. You know, as you watch some of these players talk, one of the players that you saw up there, and last week I made the mistake of calling him Mark Wilson instead of Russell Wilson, and that's because I was watching golf that weekend, and Mark Wilson, who's a Christian golfer, was playing, so it kind of messed me up. But I'm, I'm back on track now. And, and uh, I, I saw an interview by Russell Wilson, and one of the things I, I found is that this guy is a guy who cares. What you may not know about him is, obviously he's a Christian. he's a believer. But every Tuesday, he goes to the cancer hospital. Where children are going through cancer treatments. He doesn't do it for cameras. He doesn't do it for publicity. He doesn't get paid to do it. But every Tuesday, he goes there and he spends a couple hours walking around, hugging kids, signing autographs, sitting in their bed, talking to them, challenging them, encouraging them. And here's why because he's a man, he's a leader who cares. And I want to tell you something, if you're going to lead, you'll never lead if you don't see and you'll never lead if you don't care. Because I lead because I care. If we look at the story of Nehemiah, remember his brother shows up and says, hey, everything back in Jerusalem, it's messed up. The walls have fallen down. The city is destroyed. Everything's in disarray. And what is Nehemiah's response, right? Because we're going to go through the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to see leadership. Here's the next thing he does. If you have a Bible, go with me. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4 says this. Here's Nehemiah's first response. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. You see, I want to show you something. When you look at the scripture, here's what you discover. Leadership usually begins with concern or care. I've, I've used this example before, but I think it's appropriate right now. How many of you remember the, the uh, cartoon Popeye? How many you know when you're a kid? Now, kids nowadays, they don't get it, right? Because, you know, cartoons are different now than they used to be. I don't know what I'm talking about. How many watch cartoons today and you're like, this isn't real cartoons, right? You know what I'm talking about? Popeye was a real cartoon. He's a real person. I know he's out there somewhere. How many know what I'm talking about? And let's talk about Popeye for a minute. He wasn't a very attractive guy. Thus, his girlfriend was olive oil. (laughs) Olive oil was not very attractive either. How many would say amen to that? Come on. She wasn't just ugly, she was U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi ugly. How many know what I'm talking about? (laughs) But Popeye was no looker either, right? The guy had no biceps whatsoever. But he had huge forearms, right? He had an enemy named Brutus, right? But there would come a moment in every cartoon where something would happen, some injustice would take place, and Popeye would say, I've had all I can stands, and I can't stand no more. <laughs> and when you read the book of Nehemiah, here's what happens. Nehemiah sees what is happening, and he says, I've had all I can stands, and I can't stands no more. In other words, I care too deeply to let This continue the way it is. Sometimes what stops us from leadership is because we were like, well, I'm not qualified to make a difference. I'm not a coach. I'm not, you know, I didn't get trained in school to be a father. It just just happened. I I don't know what I'm doing. We have all our excuses, but I want to give you something, and it's simply this quote. You don't have to be the best. You just have to care the most. You don't have to be the best, you just have to care the most. Nehemiah, he didn't go through school in leadership, he was a cupbearer to a king. In other words, he ate the food before the king ate it to see whether it was poisoned or not. That doesn't qualify you to lead a nation. Obviously, there's some attributes and characteristics in there that we're going to dive into that are great and are great foundation. But many times we don't lead because we think we're unqualified. But I want to tell you something. You need to understand that leadership is about seeing what needs to happen. And secondly, it's not just seeing. It's caring enough to not walk by and let it stay the same. You see, care is about comfort. Because basically, here's what happens. We know in the story that Nehemiah ends up going to Jerusalem and rebuilds the walls. We're going to tell the story over the next several weeks about how he went to the king and the king gave him what he needed, money and resources and people to go do what he needed to do. But basically, here's what Nehemiah said. Now, i got to tell you, Nehemiah had it made. He lived in the palace of the king, Artaxerxes. He lived in a great home. He ate the best food in the nation. He had it made. He had comfort. He had everything that he could ever want. In fact, if you were to have a conversation, someone would probably say, man, you have finally made it. You're in the court of the king. But here's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah said, I've had all I can stand." And I can't stand no more. In other words, here's what he said. He said, I'm willing to set aside my personal comfort. I'm willing to set aside my schedule. I'm willing to set, set aside the things that I enjoy, the things that I love, the things that make me feel good, my, my, and even put myself in personal risk and peril because I care. I lead because I care. He was willing to give all of his comfort up, all of his status up, everything he had because he knew that there was a situation that required leadership. I want to ask you a question. What's motivating you in your life? Maybe you're smart enough to have looked around and seen the things that are going on around you. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's in in the, the sphere of influence you have at work. Maybe it's in your family. Here's the question. What's motivating you? Because God's looking for leaders, right? We learned that over the series we just did. And that was that God's saying, stand up and lead. So the question is, what's motivating you? You may have seen that things need to change, but what's motivating you? Because here's the deal. If comfort is the thing that motivates you, you'll never lead. Made me think back. I was thinking about this. My senior year, going into my senior year, between junior and senior year over the summer, um, it was going to be my last year of, of basketball. I'd made the decision not to play in college, although I had um, scholarship offers and people that were kind of talking and recruiting, um, wanting me to come play for their, their universities. And I'd made the decision not to do it. I look back sometimes and think, maybe I would have done something different, would have loved to play a little bit. My brother and I actually could have played together his senior year and my freshman year in college together and look back and go, man, why would I do that? Anybody look back and go, I might have done it different. All right, only one of you. The rest of you? Man, I'm going to let you preach next week. Is that okay? So that we all, okay. Um, Well, well going into my senior year, we had had a rough uh, sophomore year. I actually was moved up to varsity when I was a freshman during the playoffs. And then in my sophomore year, I was playing varsity. And we had the worst season probably in the history of the school. We were four and 18. That was a rough year. And our junior year, it got a little better, and um, I I was kind of the guy who scored all the points. I I had done some things in the league and scored a lot of points and so on. So I was kind of seen as a leader, but I really wasn't a leader. I didn't really want to lead. I was more of just give me the ball and I'll make a basket, you know, let somebody else lead. I'll be a part of the offense. And so going into our senior year, there was something inside of me that was like, I'm sick of having a losing record. I'm sick of not competing for championships. I don't care if we're, you know, if we're having fun and scoring points and all of that. I want to win. I want to win. And so we started talking, I started there, and it worked out that there was a family that had someone that they were bringing in to take care of, and it was a guy about 6'5", who was going to come in and be our center, and I found out that he, they were bringing him in, he was gonna, they were basically taking him in as a foster kid, and he was going to play basketball with us. And so when I started hearing that maybe things were there, I made a decision, and here's the decision I made. I lead. So I found out who this new guy was. I started calling all the guys that had played in the past. And in the summer, I started saying, okay, guys, here's the deal. This year is going to be different. And this wasn't the coach. He wasn't telling me what to do. I just was determined that we were going to win. And so I started calling the guys. We started gathering up in the summer and playing basketball together. I said, listen, we've never played with this new guy. There's another guy that hadn't played much. He's going to be eligible to play. And so we're going to start playing together. We're going to work on offense. We're going to work on being great defensive players. And so literally we started practicing unofficially, throughout the summer and throughout the fall, way before basketball season ever came. And here's why. I said, listen, we're going to practice off the field so when we get on the field, we're going to be prepared. Now, I'm not saying this to pump me up or look good in front of anybody today. The point I'm simply making is there was something inside of me that got to the point where I said, I care too much to stay the way I am. And what I'm praying through this weekend is that, that you're going to move beyond letting comfort and what's, you know feels good to stop you from being the leader God has called you to be. That God will challenge us to remove the comfort quotient and say, I'm going to care, and care is going to motivate me. But not only that, secondly, here's the second thing about this idea of comfort and caring, is that you take it personal. Because when we read this story, here's the, the interesting thing. We're going to read in the next point this passage. But basically, Nehemiah, he begins to fast and pray. In fact, we'll talk about it next week. But he fasts for three months. And in this fasting and praying season, he prays a prayer. And one of the things in the prayer he says, he says, I have sinned and my family has sinned. The point that I'm going to make, and we'll read it in a minute, is simply this, is that he made it Personal. This isn't just about God, your people, and your plan, and one day they're going to prosper again. He, he, he made it personal. He said, I'm your people. Use people, be my people. We're, we're together in this. This is personal. And if they're in trouble, then I'm in trouble. If they're a mess, then I'm a mess. And I care too much because this is personal, God. I want to tell you something that you will lead when it becomes personal you want an example it's time for your kid to play soccer for the city league and there are no coaches and the guy who doesn't know how to play soccer let me ask you a question how many of you have ever coached a sport and you have no idea how to play that sport raise your hand right now come on look around the room Suddenly you become a coach and you lead. Why? Because your care trumps your comfort and it's become personal. What would happen in the kingdom of God if you and I had the same mentality about leadership as we have when it comes to our children playing sports? You see, I lead because I see and I lead because I care. That's what Nehemiah did. It was personal. Y'all ready for the last point? Say amen. amen. We're going to wrap this up. So I lead because I see. I lead because I care. And here's the third one. I lead because I pray. I lead because I pray. Everybody say, I pray. I pray. There are things that we can do, but there are things that only God can do. Delay of game, delay of service on number 20. It's 11 o'clock. He's preaching too long. Unnecessary, 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 roughness, too many, unnecessary roughness, too many words, bad, bad impression of Popeye. You want to pick up the flag? We made it. I wish they'd have done that for the Detroit game. That would have helped us out a lot. We would be in the Super Bowl. Thank you, Ref, for picking up the flag. <laughs> you know, there's some things that we can do, but there's some things only God can do. I love the, to hear these players say, "Listen, it's God. It's God's grace, it's God's power. I heard a quote, and I want to read it to you. What could be and should be, can't be, until God is ready for it to be. What could be and should be, can't be, until God is ready for it to be. You see, without prayer, God can, but with prayer, God will. And there are things that will only break through. There are things that will only be released. There are miracles that will only come when you and I call out upon the name of the Lord to pray. And we don't have time to get into all of it, but when you look at the story of Nehemiah, it was through the prayer that the miracles began to happen. And if you're going to be the leader God has called you to be, you can't just see it and you can't just care, but you've got to say, I pray. I call on God for his power and his strength. I want to read a story. I want to read the prayer to you. Go with me quickly, and we're going to bring this to a close. Nehemiah 1.5 says, Then I said, this is the prayer, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. There's that making it personal. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands and decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you, are, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place where I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants, oh Lord, please hear my prayers. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring honoring your name. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his hands to, to be kind to me. In those days, I was the cupbearer for the king. You see, the first step to leadership is not just seeing and caring, but the first step to leading is to pray. Now, I got to tell you, many times what we do is we see, and then we care, and then we run onto the field and say, I'm changing everything, but we don't even know where we are on the field. We don't even know which direction we're supposed to be going. We don't even have a game plan of how to do it. We don't have all the components in place so that we can see a touchdown. So before we run onto the field, here's the thing. Before you play, you got to pray. And as we look at Nehemiah, the first step in the process of leadership wasn't just to take off. He didn't just quit his job and, you know, rent a donkey and go to Jerusalem. He fasted and he prayed. And he went to the Lord. Before you pray, or before you play, you got to pray maybe you're here today and and you look at your situation maybe you're watching online and you're like okay Pastor Jared you're you're talking here to me because if I'm honest with myself you know have you ever been ask this question guys will relate to this you've been watching a game and it's the end of the game and you just want to finish the game I mean I'm talking about and suddenly around you the kids are goofing around and doing things they shouldn't do and you kind of know what's going on but you really don't do anything about it because you're just trying to finish the game. I'm like, there's only three of us. So you kind of just act like you don't see, right? Hopefully it'll be okay and I'll take care of it later, or hopefully Devette will see and she'll take care of it. So you just turn a blind eye to what, what you know is really going on because you care about something more than that situation at the moment. And I'm gonna tell you, a lot of us are right there. We know something's not right, we know there's areas where we need to arise and lead, we need to stand up and lead, but here's the problem. We're too comfortable, and we're, we're too much into what we need, we're kind of not looking, because if we look, then we have to deal with it, and so here's the deal. Some of us, we know what's going on, and here's the thing, we don't even feel like we're adequately able to lead and deal with the situation anyway. The vet's way better at that than I am. And you know, a lot of times we never lead because we feel like somehow it's our qualifications that will enable us to be effective in leadership. But what we see in this story is that Nehemiah wasn't looking at his qualifications. He was looking at his qualifications. And through prayer, he was inviting God because what could be can't be until God says it needs to be. And what's cool is when you and I begin to seek God and we begin to pray about our situations and about our circumstances and and about wherever we are that God is calling us to bring influence and leadership, here's the cool thing. He will come. He will bring favor. He will bring breakthrough. He will give you ideas. He will give you resources. You'll have everything you need to accomplish the leadership thing that God has called you to do. But you have to see, you have to care, and you have to pray. One thing that my coach always told me, and I'm sure both these coaches from the Patriots in Seattle will say at least one point today is simply this. This may be the only Super Bowl you get to, so when you walk off the field, know that you you, you leave it on the field. In other words, you didn't leave anything behind. You gave it 110%. That you can look back and know that you win every play 100%. Leave it on the field. And you know what I feel like God's telling me to say today? Don't get to the end of life and know that you could have done better. Don't get to the end of life and know that you could have had a greater impact in the life of your kids. Leave it on the field. Start today by saying, God, open my heart to see. Lord, let me care. Make this personal. And, Lord, I'm going to pray. We're going to get into his prayer and what happened in his prayer and what God did. And we're going to see that over the next several weeks. We're going to learn some pretty cool things. But today, God has called you and I to lead. The team that leads the best, that leaves it on the field, the best is going to win today. And today, you can be a part of that same team. You can begin winning because winning is something we do every single day.